Welcome to Eco Voices, your to-go podcast for sustainability news, practices, and daily tips to be more eco-friendly. My name is Daniela Guerrero, and today we'll be discussing the meaning of a just transition, community organizing, and nonprofit management. For today's episode, we have as a guest Ashley Williams. Ashley Williams is the executive director of Just Transition Northwest Indiana, helping to fund the organization in 2020. Ashley grew up in Ottawa, Illinois, which has been treated as a sacrifice zone by the frac sand mining industry. As the daughter of a retired nuclear plant operator and union worker, she began delving into energy justice issues early and supported community members and farmers in their struggle against the proliferation of the local mines. Ashley is a graduate of Illinois Valley Community College and Loyola University, Chicago. During her time in Chicago, she continued her community organizing with the Chicago SE Thai Coalition to ban pet coke and Southeast Environmental Task Force. Now residing in Michigan City, she is passionate about ensuring a just and equitable transition for her community and the impacted workforce as they prepare for the retirement of the local coal burning plant. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Hi, Daniela. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. Just for reference for everyone to know, I had the opportunity to meet Ashley because I had the opportunity to intern for Just Transition Northwest Indiana this summer. So I'm very excited. It's a great organization. I'm so excited to be presenting it to all of our listeners. Thank you, Danielle. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much. Well, I think we went over this a little bit of how you really got involved in sustainability. But can you tell us a little bit more of how did this passion begin and how did you really got so invested in sustainability at a very young age? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, back at home in Ottawa, Illinois, you know, growing up in many ways, in many regards, I was uh, sort of, again, a, a normal teenager, more head in the clouds, and I wasn't really attuned to a lot of what was happening around me. Um, and, you know, realizing and uh, coming from a family, as, as mentioned, my, my dad had been in the nuclear industry for some time. He's retired from the Exxon nuclear plant there. So it was really always a part of life. Um, but I really began to open my eyes and get activated, honestly, through uh, alternative media and uh, listening to and watching uh, sources like Democracy Now! and Amy Goodman, and really beginning to open my eyes listening um, and reading authors such as Howard Zinn. And that, through honestly, a lot of that uh, exposure, uh, pretty much in my early 20s, I began to start to look at my community and the world around me with a different lens, a lens that, oh my gosh, like everything that uh, was not clear to me, right? A lot of things where I wasn't being exposed to uh, became so much more palpable. And when I began to look at, okay, what is, you know, what is actually happening in, in my community? Um, what's rather than taking it from, right, what we're seeing on the, what I was seeing at the, on the TV screen or listening to about, right, under the Obama administration and all the different issues uh, internationally, uh, really looking to my own community and realizing that, you know, I was living in a community that was home to a super fun site, um, that there was gross radium contamination within my community that I was growing up all around me. 
And I had no idea, right, when I was in the classroom, I was never being taught uh, about the radium contamination and the fight of the radium girls in Ottawa, Illinois, um, that were being um, poisoned without their right, without um, their knowing uh, by the industry, uh, which was uh, Radium Dial Corporation back uh, as early as the 20s to the 1930s and beyond, and even into the 1970s. And um, when I began to realize and actually even looking at their fight where they fought uh, to get uh, really being able to many of the labor protections and what we see in the industry today uh, with uh, the Occupational Health and Safety Administration, it would not be possible without these women uh, fiercely fighting for their lives and for their, their, their stories and their voices to be known. Um, and when I took it even further, I realized, right, we're not just talking about the, the plight of the radium girls historically in the past. We're looking at, you know, when I, when I began to do my own research, I found out that there was mining operations um, that were happening, I knew, but I didn't know when um, at the time and growing up that they were largely because of uh, hydraulic fracturing which um, ultimately through that process, you need to have frac sand, which is uh, silica sand, um, uh, quartz silica sand that they utilize in that process. And typically they're only drawing that from certain communities like in LaSalle County in Ottawa, Illinois, in Wisconsin and Texas. And so they really need that sand in, in our communities to go into the process. And so I was looking around and realizing that there was a proliferation of these mining operations because of the oil and gas boom that we're ultimately turning right our communities into sacrifice zones, um, transforming them uh, right before, right under our noses, and ultimately before my very eyes. And so I ultimately, because of that and not seeing folks my own age, right, um, really being able to speak out on, on these issues. And so I, I teamed up with a lot of farmers and rural folks and older people um, and uh, began to show up and uh, be in solidarity with them to speak out against these mining operations and uh, the poisoning of communities uh, willfully by the industry, uh, the fracking communities, as well as the frac sand mining community. So I really kind of began to find my voice uh, through that process. And um, it's really been an incredible journey during that time and up through now where I now call home in Michigan City, Indiana. That is so interesting. I think you touched on something very important, and is that even if it's really happening in your community, in many cases, it's not really being, like, spoken of. It's not really, like, being thought to our kids or anything. But, okay, you got extremely involved in, in all of this. How does that lead to the process of helping found this, this nonprofit that you really lead, which is Just Transition Northwest Indiana? Yeah, thanks, Daniela. Um, so, yeah, my... My journey to Just Transition Northwest Indiana has been a long and winding one. Um, you know, why I originally uh, came here, I moved from Illinois for uh, my position um, within my other uh, organization um, where I'm an organizer uh, for the Sierra Club. And 
I moved here uh, with really that intention to be able to transition the Nipsco coal burning plant uh, that has been burning on the shores of Lake Michigan for nearly a century and being able to transition them off of coal, off of fossil fuels to renewable energy. And pretty much within that, it was a quick, it was really a quick turnaround with the with the retirement um, when they made the announcement. And it was basically that following year when they announced to retire the the Michigan City plant, which we're now looking at about 2026, between 2026 and 2028. Um, and so that happened, honestly, fairly quickly when you look at a lot of the longer-term fights uh, across communities to retire coal plants mm-hmm. uh, within the different utilities, such as like Duke and so on. And so it can be a, a it's it's you know historically a long fight and it and it, the thing is too it, it it was a really it was a very long fight and long time coming for the Michigan City community, um, so really the folks that right came here before and laid the groundwork and mm-hmm. and uh, did did the organizing too to make it possible uh, for folks to really be thinking about a community post fossil fuel right post closure. And when we really, when we got that retirement announcement following that following year, I began to see my work quickly shift. And uh, ultimately, we decided to fully form our own organization, um, as you mentioned, just transition Northwest Indiana to really ask that question and answer that question to provide the resources and um, community momentum behind uh, what happens when after a retirement announcement is made for uh, a fossil fuel plant, for a coal plant, what happens to those communities that have been on the receiving end of the toxic pollution from the coal plant in their backyard, um, right from the worker um, who's been working at the plant their entire lives that provides uh, a great that which provides a great living that sustains their family. What happens to that worker mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't have right a plan B? And so, we our intention is really to be able to uh, bring light to that intersection of labor and environmental justice, and really being able to build between uh, laborers on the ground, right, the rank-and-file union workers that are impacted by these fossil fuel transitions, and ensuring that they are not left behind in this process, and making sh- making sure that every community member that has been impacted um, and living next to the coal plant is insured uh, not only a seat at the table, but really is driving the, the community decision process around the plant. What happens to that site? What happens to legacy issues such as the coal ash from uh, the coal burning process? And so we really didn't see um, really the, right, the local organizing efforts happening around that. And so we felt like there was really that necessity, that niche that we could uh, help to try to solve an answer. Um, you know, just transition doesn't happen overnight, but we are really trying to plant the seeds here in Michigan City uh, to show uh, the path for what is possible for communities that we don't have to uh, suffer and again be left behind following a fossil fuel closure, that there is great hope and a thriving future for our communities, especially low-income communities of color that we know have been um, deliberately right, um, targeted and harmed by the fossil fuel industry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you touched on so many just so important topics and just factors 
And I do wanted to start with, um, as you said, there was definitely um, this gap between we achieved something amazing, right? Like after a lot of work, um, the closing of this plan, it's a very big achievement and it is very promising. That's going to be renewable energy. However, sometimes mm. it is really like ignore that just transition that has to happen to make sure that whoever was working there, the communities there, everyone really like if that was our way of getting energy then how are we not only okay yeah let's just change the plan itself but how are we all mm. together kind of like changing as a community um which i think mm. is really really important and really where just transition becomes so important well my next question was really how do you describe a just transition but i think you did perfectly but i also know it has another component which is like a larger mm. component of like really changing into a like instead of explosive economy really more like how to regenerate the economy could you explain to us a little bit more yeah so thank you Dina. i think you really you really touched on it so well is that <clears throat> presently we live in this uh dig burn jump economy right that is rooted within militarism Uh, rooted in white supremacy, um, capitalism, right? All of all of the uh, extractive isms and oppressions, uh, and that very much is right carbon based and in the favor of polluters and those at the very top, right? And for us, that has caused uh, the reality that we live in, where though so the transition is happening, uh, it isn't happening fast enough. So we are still. Right, continuing to burn. We're still seeing utilities filling their pockets and, and all our politicians being in bed with industry. And that certainly uh, translates to Indiana and what we're seeing, um, certainly within the political arena and the General Assembly uh, that is dominated by the Republican supermajority um, that are making decisions, uh, right, about right the, the energy in our backyards, uh, Um, against our bodies and, and so on. And so for us, uh, when we talk about a just transition, it's, it's really naming this economy that we're in and really thinking about uh, the, the root word of that, right? So eco meaning home, right? And so how are we moving to, and again, when we're talking about economy, it should not be a bad thing, right? Um, but currently, as it translates to um, those that should be, right, the benefactors are not, mm -hmm. um, right, in terms of the working everyday people. And uh, as we talk about transitioning, what does that look like? So uh, we call this uh, the regenerative economy. Mm -hmm. So what is the, the economy that we're ultimately fighting for? And that's the economy of tomorrow. Um, and so... Uh, when we're thinking back to economy, right, the root word in terms of home, um, when we think about fully uh, what does economy mean, right, it's, it's the actual uh, taking care of the stewardship of home. And that's really what we want to be able to be thinking about uh, as, as we look to the future and, and what we want to create is how do we get back to that? How do we get back to um, being able to uh, think about the systems of production and the way in which we organize our lives to be regenerative, to, uh, uh, re to be able to come from within, and uh, that are not um, 
right, finite, right? We know that fossil fuels, right, are running out, that we we have, as mentioned, uh, very, we have no time, right? The, the clock is already out. And so <clears throat> when we think of, about the economy of tomorrow, the regenerative economy, it's making sure that uh, through this process of a just transition, which we always go back to this phrase, and I want to say it, uh, as we often do, that transition is inevitable, justice is not. And so that's right where, where we come in. And so getting, making sure we're fighting for a just transition to a regenerative economy, and that means right, that rather than a carbon-based economy, it's an economy that is uh, regenerative, renewable, uh, thinking about uh, how it's community-driven and democratized and making sure that we're not relying on finite sources that are extractive and damaging to our health and, and longevity. And, and then really also thinking, too, about the uh, workforce. And so our communities and pushing for them to really be able to be uh, – uh, honing on community ownership and ownership of resources, so energy, community gardens, thinking about every way which we organize our lives, thinking about cooperative businesses. That's all a large part of what we call the regenerative economy. And we really want to be able to make sure that we're leading with this when we're talking about a just transition. So it's not just stopping the bad and stopping the pollution. It's about building the new through this regenerative economy. Mm -hmm. And that can also, I'll give you an example. Lastly, is that locally in Michigan City, we always uplift the work of the LaPorte County NAACP and what they've been doing. And they have a soul power program here in which they're working with uh, folks that typically right, would not be um, given these jobs, uh, be jobs that are not accessible to uh, folks that are returning populations, uh, previously incarcerated, uh, folks that are right, low income, and um, especially thinking within right, the black community and making sure that they're connected to uh, job training uh, opportunities. So specifically when we talk about solar power, that's uh, solar power and bringing them to ultimately become uh, solar helpers and then more um, ideally and ultimately what they, they want to see within this path is solar installers. So I think that's really uh, a big part of the regenerative economy and what that looks like for the workforce and for communities to just in Michigan City, uh, envisioning the Michigan City plant as no longer right this this site of extraction or uh, a brownfield or even worse, a super fun site to be able to reclaim that for green space. Uh, to see that be the entrance to uh, the Indiana National Park to uh, ultimately break down the barriers that this extractive um, facility has has um, posed on the community and then be able to see uh, what that pathway could look like to the Indiana Dunes to, for the West Side community here and for them to really be able to access that property once uh, you know, for finally, after so long of, of having this coal plant uh, in their backyards and really laying claim to the lakeshore, the whole, the whole portion of the site is, is blocked off. So I would say that's really within a, a just transition and how we can bring about the regenerative economy, even just within the energy sector. But it is such a holistic uh, 
framework, mm-hmm. and it, it really does relate to so many different uh, sectors, uh, the ways in which we organize our lives. But uh, I could talk about it forever, but that's, <laughs> that's a glimmer <laughs> into no. what that could look like. I think that it's a perfect explanation. When I joined the team, I had like this amazing presentation. And、um, if you want to learn more about、um, basically like how to change from an extractive economy to a regenerative economy, I would recommend checking、um, the website for Just Transition Northwest Indiana, which is just jtnwi.org. And Where it says about us, one of the sections there is what is a just transition? And he has an amazing graphic that really you know, like explains everything as Ashley just did.、Um, but as you said, it's really such a big concept. It affects not only, I guess,、mm. like environmentalism, which sometimes really is like is where we stay at in sustainability, but it's really more how we treat our workers, equality. I think it keeps coming up, right? That we need to make sure that those that are being directly affected by the pollution are those that are also leading the change. How we can empower every single member in in our community to really like take the lead. So definitely check that out. It's it's incredible. I think it really helped me to really understand what a just transition is and what we should be really aiming for.、Um, but I am curious, and I'm pretty sure all of our listeners are too. Um, you are the executive director for this amazing nonprofit. How does a day in your life usually look like? Your 24 hours, you wake up, and then usually, what do you have to do? <laughs> just, just pure <laughs> organized chaos <laughs> every single day.、Um, yeah, I, you know, right? It's, it's, it's、uh, the life of. Yeah, this right, our, our burgeoning nonprofit, a very small、uh, organization right now. So I wear all of the hats <laughs> as, as the executive director.、Um, you know,、uh, whereas you, you know, think about some of the traditional executive directors and, you know, bigger nonprofits, it's going to look very different. But for my day in the life,、uh, you know, for me, it's really.、Uh, As my role is, is being a mentor for our staff,、uh, which is、uh, Susan and Mike, and they're such an、um, integral part of our team. So for me,、um, you know, my day in life is always being able to just you know, start off、uh, checking in, being able to、uh, continue to、uh, do those touch bases,、uh, mentoring them、um, every single day、uh, to ultimately be able to. Uh, build their leadership, I, you know, that's so core, right? Because、mm-hmm. we can,、uh, you know, be the taskmaster all day long. But really,、uh, my goal and as、uh, the, the goal of many, right, as, as a, you know, as an executive director is to build leadership and for them to be able to、uh, step into that and really be able to、uh, feel empowered、um, within their roles. And so for me, that's really my priority. You know, I said I wear a lot of the hats. So, like today, as, as Daniela knows, I was, you know, I was helping with、um, uh, finalizing our yard sign. And,、uh, you know, on another day, I am, you know, doing,、um, you know, other higher level planning for what is our strategic vision, rather, for, you know, the next five, 10 years.、Um, We're going to be at you know, Pride Fest this weekend, so I'm also going to be on the ground. I really, for me, it's just to be able to 
show up and fill in uh, where uh, our team needs me to be able to provide those leadership and coaching opportunities um, and just to be able to grow grow leadership. But, you know, again, it changes, definitely changes every day. I know for us where our goal is to really be able to uh, build out our capacity, um, bring more folks to the team. And, uh, Danielle, that's why we're so grateful for you, too. And um, you've added so much to, to our team uh, at Just Transition Northwest Indiana through your, through your internship. And so, you know, we want to continue to grow those opportunities for folks to engage. And, you know, um, and also we have our, our, our consultant, Andrew Herrera, for our strategies, and that's just been amazing. So we're, you know, again, we're, we're herding all the cats. <laughs> we're moving um, all of uh, – sometimes there's a, there's a lot of irons in the fire. And so, it's, you know, you really do have to be <laughs> this, uh, you know, uh, multitasker and juggling all the balls. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, what matters is that the, my, our team is feeling good and um, is able to you'd be able to yeah move on and, and 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 be able to satisfy their role and feel uh, uh, encouraged and excited within and um, always being able to think about uh, what what is to come be able to be vision oriented and be able to be uh, a strategic seeker and so that's my my day to day being able to keep keep that vision but there's a lot of just um all the things that come up as well so i uh i said organized chaos uh there is no you know hidden secret to it i sort of with my my prof nonprofit as as within my role i don't um come from uh you know i was an executive director of a past nonprofit i this is very much a um a role uh that i transitioned into that i've i've being able to teach myself um, to be able to hone in my skills as being an organizer. How does that translate to being the executive director? And so that's been a big, uh, a big learning process for me. And it's been really exciting um, to grow leadership as really that my number one um, within my role. And I, I hope that we'll be able to continue to build and sustain and um, raising funds. <laughs> that's yeah. another thing, right? Um, my, my day-to-day and writing grants and, um, seeing the inner workings, which has been super eye-opening, <laughs> uh, whereas a lot of you know folks are not exposed to that. Um, so I, I've I've been grateful for my experience, and um, yeah, but I've I've loved every second of it. No, and I think you do an amazing job. Really, you're such a great multitasker. We have um, we communicate really through Slack, and I don't know if you've used Slack, but there are like channels, and actually, it's in every single channel. Um, it's just all the time really out there. Um, but about growing the team for anyone that really wants to like volunteer or is interested in learning more, what would you recommend, um, to get involved with Just Transition Northwest Indiana? Yeah. So with, uh, Just Transition Northwest Indiana, definitely hop on our page as Danielle had said earlier, which is, uh, www.jtnwi.org. And uh, on the front page, on that landing page, you'll see right there how you could volunteer with us. It's just a quick form so we can get your information, so we can follow up and get you plugged in. Um, and then there's also specifically a, a section. So there's no way you're going to miss it um, on our page. And then also you can follow, follow us on social media. So we're 
thanks to Daniela, we have our, a big Instagram presence. We're there. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Twitter. And hopefully soon on TikTok is the plan. So yeah. I know you, uh, we're kind of everywhere, and it's uh, it's been really exciting. And, yeah, just submitting that, reaching out to us. Uh, we also have right our, our um, contact number as well as email. So there's a variety of ways, but uh, no matter what, we'll make sure that uh, someone gets a hold of you, gets in touch, gets you plugged in. And even if you're not in Michigan City or NWI here in Northwest Indiana, uh, there is uh, numerous opportunities for you to support. So we do encourage folks, uh, especially in even within Chicago, uh, within a lot of our Protect Lake Michigan work, uh, to get NIPSCO to clean up their coal ash that's leaking to the lake. We really do encourage uh, other uh, folks around the lakefront too to take part in our campaign because this is our common lake and our drinking water supply right so water is what unites us and so we really welcome everyone to to reach out to us and um, if you can definitely volunteer or give uh, we also have that donation link on the page as well and we're sustained by small donations small donors uh, folks like you so if not for that none of this would be possible absolutely Please, please think, think of supporting because it's such a great organization. Um, to wrap up, we do have kind of like a tradition. We do ask um, final question to every single guest that we have. And that is really if you had one bit of advice for students or future climate action leaders, what would you tell them? And it can be anything. Um, <laughs> what would be like your advice? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my head is swimming. Yeah, this is a great question, and I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in terms of uh, a final piece of advice, I would say don't give up and don't compromise. I think, you know, for uh, for within community organizing is that, you know, ultimately we know, um, right, the, the very, you know, utilities and in different industries that we're fighting that they have an agenda for us making sure that we are setting the stage, we're making our communities' uh, needs and wants known, and don't give up because, you know, uh, if that's one thing I've really learned for this, all the time that I've been doing this um, is to not give up, um, to continue to fight, and, again, don't, don't compromise because our communities know what they want. <laughs> and it's not going to come, right, from the utilities, from those on top, um, from those in the traditional um, seats of power, and we just really have to be out there and vocal and known about that. And we should not second guess ourselves or write the communities that we're organizing in um, and or assume, right? And so uh, that's been a learning journey for me, too, in my now home in Michigan City um, as now being here um, for uh, coming up actually on, on five years. So <laughs> it's gone by really fast. Um, I've learned a lot through this experience, right, of, of, of not being um, born and raised here, but really embracing and calling this community home and, and, and finding and connecting with the community leaders on the ground to really help guide this work and guide my leadership and coming to my own and ultimately where we are today with Just Transition Northwest Indiana, and I'm so grateful. Um, I'll say lastly, because <laughs> I know you said, what is the one thing? I'll say lastly, as it relatedly, it's just taking care of yourselves, right, yeah. uh, as leaders and um, those that are coming into it. 
is is really that collective culture of care because if we can't sustain ourselves you know we can't sustain the work and uh what comes first always should come first is yourself and um our our self-care is our collective care and i think especially as organizers and activists it is so it is so hard (laughs) to prioritize that sometimes and we it's important to surround ourselves with those folks and those mentors and those people um that really uh, bring out and promote that that self care and that collective care for organizing work. So you know, find your find your spaces and your in your folks within this work, and um, yeah, make sure that you are not compromising on your on your self care either. Um, right? Don't compromise again on the community's wants and needs, and don't compromise on your self care. Uh, I think that really will contribute to the long term uh, within the organizing work with the work we do and yeah, bringing about the change that we want to see. So I feel like those are some good, hopefully some good wisdoms, but there are so many. <laughs> so no. it's a great, a great <laughs> question. Daniela. Thank you so much. I really love that about self-care. I think I'm going to steal that because truly it can be so easy to get swamped and distressed. And when we're like, stressed and overwhelmed we cannot really Mm. do our best and we cannot offer the best to our communities but thank Mm. you so much Ashley it's been a pleasure to interview you today but also to work with you I'm so happy to be part of Just Transition Northwest Indiana and I'm sure every single person is listening to this is now extremely interested and ready to go visit our Instagram our (laughs) website hopefully (laughs) our TikTok soon that's coming up but thank you so much Oh, thank you so much, Anna. Likewise, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for everyone tuning in. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited for, for the time that we have and the rest of the summer together. So stay tuned. And yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity.